My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in the heart of ancient Ephesus on Corita Street. People have been coming to this city for thousands of years. It is still the most visited archaeological site in the whole world. Ephesus is just an important city historically, and for us it's very important because this is where the great church of Ephesus was. The Apostle Paul started the church in this city with the help of Priscilla and Aquila. The power of God was just unleashed on these streets. And later, when the Apostle Paul left, he installed Timothy to be the pastor of this church. But the church began to have problems because some of the leaders began to embrace error. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, you've got to fix this. And here's what he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Other doctrine in Greek literally means a doctrine of a different kind. It was teaching, but it wasn't anything like what Paul had taught them. It was a doctrine of a different kind. We need to make sure we stick with real biblical truth and not a diversion of the truth. We're living at the end of the age when people are packaging a lot of things and selling it as truth. It's really just a modification of the truth. We need the real deal. Paul told Timothy, stick with the Word of God and correct those that are in error. And the scriptures are still speaking this to us today. You and I really need to keep our head on straight when it comes to what we believe and what we teach. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. This is Rick Renner, and I want to welcome you to the program. I've been waiting for you, and not just me, but Denise is with me today. Denise, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be on this program. Why are you glad to be on this program? Rick, I'm glad to be on this program because I believe that this message that we have today is an urgent message to the body of Christ. Actually, I think the entire series we're doing right now is so very important for people to keep their head on straight. And that's why I wrote this new book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. I'm going to tell you, this is a very strong book. I take a very strong position in this book. In fact, I take such a strong position, I sent it to many Christian leaders to ask them for their reaction. And Denise, we were quite blessed, weren't we? We just, got some great endorsements. Oh, just one after another, people <laughs> began writing and saying, oh, we're so glad finally somebody is raising their voice and is saying these things. And I believe the Holy Spirit just anointed me for this season to put these things in print. And I really want you to have it. But listen to what Willie George had to say. When Willie wrote back, he said, a thoroughly researched eye-opening guidebook that I wholeheartedly endorse. That's amazing. I really respect Willie George. Or how about Gentis and Franklin? With each chapter you read, you will see your place in the fight and a plan for victory. It's good to see our plan, but we need to know how to have victory as well. And in this book, I don't just deal with problems, we deal with solutions. What is the solution? What do we need to do to make sure we don't get drunk with the rest of the world, that we keep clear minds and keep our head on straight in a world gone crazy? The subtitle says, Developing Discernment for These Last Days. Denise, why should people order this book? 
They should order this book because, as I said before, I believe it's an urgent message to the body of Christ. Because when you see what's going on, I mean, I saw something in the news last night that it just disheartened me so much. And I'm like, Lord, Lord, we need to know what to do and how to keep our head on straight. And Rick, I do believe that this book is a is a, a must for people to get in their heart. And I really believe that God anointed you to write this book. Well, thank you, sweetheart. I'm so grateful to God. But we're also offering you the series by the same name, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. It's 15 parts based on these programs. Anyway, order your copy today. I believe it's gonna make a difference for you. Today, I'm gonna be dealing with you about how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. And we're gonna to return to our anchor verse which is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And in this verse, the Apostle Paul's writing under the unction of the Spirit, and he's prophesying what's going to take place in the world, and specifically in the church, at the very end of the church age. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of demons. Very quickly, I want to cover this one more time. When Paul writes, now the Spirit speaks expressly, in Greek it is the word retus. The word retus describes something that is categorical, something that is emphatic, something that is definitely going to take place. So in this word, the Holy Spirit is not describing something that might happen. He's describing something that absolutely is going to happen at the very end of the age. And that's why you could translate it. Now the Spirit speaks in the strongest and clearest of language. In unmistakable terms, He's sounding the alarm. And what does He say? Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Somebody might say, well, you know, it's always been the latter times. You know, Denise, we hear people say that all the time. But in this particular verse, the word latter is the Greek word husteros. And the word husteros describes the ultimate, ultimate end of a thing when nothing is left over. In other words, when you get at the outer rim of the last days, when you're right at the very, very, very end of this time period, in that time period, right before everything is wrapped up, something very strange is going to take place worldwide in the church. The Bible says some shall depart from the faith. It does not say everybody, but it says some. And the Greek is interesting because it seems to be a notable some. When you read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus used the Greek word poloi, which is many or vast multitudes. It describes a very large departure from the faith. And the words the faith has a definite article in the Greek text, which means this is not faith for miracles. This is not faith for signs and wonders or faith for finances or faith for healing. This is the faith. In other words, doctrine, the hardcore teachings of Scripture, people are going to begin departing from it. Not rejecting it, departing from it. There's a difference between rejecting and departing. Rejecting is deliberate. Departing is very seducing. It happens over a period of time, step by step, inch by inch, day by day. You're in a transition that is so gradual that you don't even realize you're in departure. But the Holy Spirit says in the end of the age, this strange phenomenon is going to happen worldwide in the church. There's going to be an inching away from the teaching of the Bible. It describes a withdrawal. 
retracting away from, putting your distance between yourself and something else, a distancing yourself from the teaching of the Bible. And we're seeing that in the world today. It's all around us, isn't it, Denise? Yes, it is. And Rick, when you said inch by inch, you know, if you move inch by inch, you don't know that you've moved very far. And so it's so deceiving because you're moving and moving and moving. And then after you've moved and moved and moved, you turn around and go, what has happened to me? Hmm. Well, that's the way it works. But that's what's going to happen at the end of the age. But when you study the New Testament, you find out in the early days of the New Testament, there was already a battle being fought for the truth of God's Word. And we read about that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, and now that's where we're going to go. So let's go there, Denise. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Timothy is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Well, there wasn't a better church than the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was started by the Apostle Paul. We know that Luke had a role there. We know at one time Peter had been there. Timothy was the pastor. We know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived just outside of Ephesus. We know that the Apostle John was the presiding elder after Paul died. This was a church that had really been established in truth. Yet when you read 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, you find even the great church of Ephesus begin to distance themselves from those foundational teachings. And if it can happen to Ephesus, my friend, it can happen to anybody. And that's why we need to keep our heads on straight. But listen to what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 1 verse 3. Paul writes to Timothy, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when thou, uh, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine. First of all, Paul says, I besought thee. That word besought is the Greek word parakaleo, which means to beg or to plead. He was giving to Timothy a job that Timothy did not want. And because of that, Paul had to plead with Timothy to step up to the plate and accept this responsibility. Well, who wants to rebuke everybody? But that is what the responsibility was. He was to bring correction to those that were beginning to veer from the faith. That's what we read in verse 3. So the verse says, As I besought thee, I begged you, I pleaded with you to abide still at Ephesus, and here's the reason, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. The word charge, the Greek word parangelo, means to give a command, to strictly charge, or to give a direct command. And the Bible says some, that word some is a Greek word tison, it describes a notable sum. So this is not a small group in the church. There's a sizable group that's beginning to depart from the teaching of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Paul didn't say it was everybody, but he said there were some, and it was a notable sum. But notice what else he said in verse 3. He said, As I besought thee to abide at Ephesus, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Teach no other doctrine in Greek is one word. It is a Greek word, heterodidaskalos, one word that is compounded from two words. And I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. The word heterodidaskalos is a compound of heteros and didaskalos. The word heteros points to something different or something of a different sort. And the word didaskalos depicts doctrine or teaching. But when these words are compounded, it means a doctrine of a different kind or a doctrine of a different source. And Paul uses this phrase, heterodidaskalos, to tell us there was a group of leaders in the church, and by the way, they were recognized. 
They were well-loved. They were beloved in the church. People loved them because they'd been in the church for a long time. But now they begin to teach doctrine of a different kind. Interesting that there were doctrine. Here the Greek word didaskalos describes a masterful teacher. What they were presenting sounded very sophisticated, very developed. But Paul adds the word heteros to the front of it which is the equivalent of saying it may sound like doctrine, it may sound very sophisticated and very developed, but think deep, keep your head on straight. It is heteros. It is a teaching of a different kind. Now I want to refer you to Galatians chapter 1. And in Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul used exactly the same word, heterodidaskalos, when he was writing to the Galatians. And Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, here's what he said. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And here's what Paul's saying. These false teachers are very slick. They're not just bringing outright false doctrine. They're bringing doctrine, some of it truth, but they're mingling it together with other things. That's why he said it's a gospel of another kind. Yeah, there are elements of the gospel in it for sure, but they have mixed other elements in it. And Paul says these people are troubling you. They're bringing confusion. And I have to refer again to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, where Peter also prophesied that this was going to happen in the very end of the age. So this wasn't just a problem in the first of the age. It's a problem reemerging now in the end of the age. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were prophets, false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in. Denise, do you remember we looked at that phrase, privily shall bring in? The Greek word parasigo. It's a compound of three words. The word para means alongside. The word ice means into. The word ago means I lead, but when you compound the three words together, para, ice, ago, form the Greek word paras, ago, which means these people will bring their false doctrine right into the church. That's the word ice, para, they're going to be walking alongside other people in the church. Ago indicates these are leaders that are actually doing this. But when you put all these three words together and compound them, as we find them in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, it denotes a smuggler attempting to covertly transport illegal contraband across a border while using a disguise to conceal his activities. So these false teachers know they can't just teach blatant error, so they commingle error with truth to make it harder for the immature person, especially, to recognize there's error mixed in with it. Isn't that amazing? It's so sinister. It's so sinister. That the Bible prophesied this would happen. And it also happened in the first century. Well, in the first century, what was the problem? Well, there was a group of people who called themselves Gnostics. The Greek word ginosko, which means I know. These Gnostics claimed that they had supreme revelation. They were especially enlightened. They were so glad that they had been established in the elementary principles of the Bible. But then they said, you know, we already have that. It's time for us to go beyond and have new revelation. And they began modifying the gospel and embracing things that were not Bible-based. Now I'm going to quickly go through Gnostic errors 
of the first century because I want you to see these are the same errors that are now trying to reemerge at the end of the age. My friend, the devil never does anything new. He's not creative. He just keeps repeating the same thing over and over and over. Well, what were the Gnostic errors that Timothy was confronting? That notable psalm in his church that were teaching doctrines of another kind. What were those doctrines of another kind that the Apostle Paul told Timothy to refute? Well, I'm going to tell you what they were. I'm going to give you just six. There were actually many, but I'm going to give you a short list. These are the ones that are now reemerging today at the end of the age. Number one. And by the way, God has not called us to be Gnostic detectives. So when you hear me, don't watch people and listen to people and say, hmm, that's Gnosticism. I'm not a Gnostic detective, but we do need to keep our head on straight and we need to know what is error. Well, here were the Gnostic errors that were really confronting the church in the first century. Number one, Gnostics contended that Old Testament scriptures were inferior and were based on old, outdated, antiquated ideas, and that they needed to disconnect from the teachings of the Old Testament. That is exactly what the Gnostics were teaching. I'm going to read you today directly from my notes. It's hard to imagine it, but some leaders today are also claiming that the Old Testament has no relevance for New Testament believers. Some even state that Christians must unhitch from the writings of the Old Testament. That is amazing to me. This is just Gnosticism that is reemerging. Number two. Can I say something, yeah. Rick? Rick, that's just ludicrous because so much of the Old Testament is, is in, in the, the New, New Testament. Testament. And Jesus was quoting the Old Testament all the time. All the time. All the writings of the epistles are based on the Old Testament. How do you unhitch from the Old Testament? The prophecy that's in the Old Testament that is... is is completed in the New Testament. And actually, Denise, anybody that's educated in theology or church history understands <clears throat> that is just Gnosticism trying to raise its head again at the end of the age. But let's go on. I have a lot to cover. Number okay. Two. Gnostics believed that the wrath of the Old Testament God wasn't to be taken seriously by New Testament believers. They said all forms of present or future judgment were dismissed. Gnostics claimed that the concept of God's wrath was imaginary and that no one should take it serious. Interesting because even today, some skillfully allege that the idea of God's wrath is antiquated and outdated. They declare that because God's wrath was poured out on Christ, there's no more wrath to come in the future. It's all gone. But anyone educated in history or theology knows that teaching is full of mistakes. It's just fallacious. Number three, Gnostics believed they held to a doctrine that flesh, indeed all physical matter, was evil and fading. Only the spirit held significance. So once a person's spirit was born again, it really didn't matter whether he sinned with the flesh. This was their belief that nobody really needed to confess sin after they'd come to Christ. The Gnostic doctrine led people to believe sin was inconsequential. It gave the impression that there was no more need for repentance for any wrong act conducted in the flesh, but anyone who is educated in church history or theology will understand anybody who teaches that they are repeating an ancient Gnostic error. It's just resurfacing again at the end of the age. Isn't this amazing? Next, Gnostics were antinomian. What does that mean? Antinomian means they were against any established law. The word antinomian means against law, and depicts the Gnostic aversion 
to the moral law of God, which they said was inferior and had no relevance for Christians. And this led to an extreme teaching on grace. Wow. Next, Gnostics believed that God expressed himself in various manifestations and that Jesus was just one of them. This doctrine depreciated Christ, reducing him to a position of one among many ways to heaven. This is a very modern concept. It's in the world. It's even in the church today. People generally believe that everybody's good and everybody can find their own truth. That is a very Gnostic concept that is raising its head now at the end of the age. Gnostics departed from the immutable voice of Scripture in order to create a more inclusive gospel. Isn't that amazing, Denise? It's amazing. Just amazing. Well, it's difficult to comprehend how people who had set under the teaching of the apostles could depart from the faith. But they did. And if it could happen then, it can certainly happen today. And that's why we need to know what the Bible says. Now, the primary reason people depart from the teaching of Scripture is because they really don't know it. They haven't been properly taught the Scripture. If they really know what the Bible says, it gives them common sense. It gives them the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong. But when people don't really know the Bible, a lack of Bible knowledge enables the devil to lead you off track. So we need to know what the Bible teaches on every fundamental truth of Scripture, get established in it, and not depart from it. We need to keep our head on straight in a world that has gone crazy. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the very end of the age, the church will be attacked by seducing spirits, leading us away from the faith, from the hardcore teachings of Scripture. So dig in and make the decision. You're going to stay anchored in the Bible. We'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to pray for you. The world is changing. In fact, it's more than changed. It's gone crazy. We are living in a world where faith is questioned and sin is welcome, where people seem to have lost their minds about what is right and wrong. It seems truth has been turned upside down. In Rick Renner's new book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, Rick reveals the disastrous consequences of a society in spiritual and moral collapse. In this book, you'll discover what Christians need to be doing to stay out of the chaos and anchor to truth. You'll learn how to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, discern right and wrong teaching, how to be grounded in prayer, and how to be spiritually prepared for living in victory in these last days. Leading ministers from around the world are calling this book essential for every believer. And today only, this book is available as our free gift to you. Just call the number on your screen or visit renner.org. Free, today only, when you call or go online to request it. You can also order the 15-part teaching series when you call or go online right now. Rick takes you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. Available in digital or physical formats starting at just $24. Get the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, for free today. And don't miss this powerful teaching series. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
When Denise and I began our ministry many decades ago, the Holy Spirit gave us Romans 10, 18, which says, Yea, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. And in all of these decades, we've been doing our best to obey this mandate from heaven. And today, miraculously, we are reaching people clear to the very end of the earth. We're reaching people in the Russian-speaking world and millions of them. We're reaching people in the English-speaking world and large numbers of people are now reaching out to us for prayer, support, and resources. As a result of all of this growth, we need a new ministry home in Tulsa and we need to construct a new TV studio in Moscow where we can prepare teaching that will change people's lives. In Tulsa, we have no more room to grow, yet we're growing exponentially all day, every day. Our pastoral partner care department is ministering to people from around the planet who are reaching out to us for prayer and support. Oh, how I wish you could be there to hear the calls and see how people's lives are literally being changed. And in Moscow, we are bursting at the seams as Russian speakers from around the world are reaching out to us for prayer and for support. We're producing up to seven daily TV programs and we desperately need a larger studio to produce Bible teaching that people can trust that will change their lives. In both locations, in Tulsa and in Moscow combined, we need 50,000 square feet of new space so we can minister to the precious people God is bringing to us. And with the land, architectural plans, all furnishings, TV equipment, everything we need, the entire ministry expansion project comes to $120 a square foot. And friend, it's not about buildings. It's about having the space we need so we can effectively minister to the needs of people. We're told in Matthew 28, verse 19, go into all the world and teach all nations. That's what we're doing, but we need your help so we can do it more effectively. We need a new ministry home in Tulsa, and we need a new studio in Moscow where we can prepare teaching that people can trust. And I'm asking you today to ask the Holy Spirit if he wants you to be a part of the giving team to help us accomplish this expansion project. Ask him today, Holy Spirit, would you want me to be a part of this and do whatever he tells you to do as together we fulfill the great commission of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. As you've been listening to us today, maybe you've thought of someone you know that's already beginning to depart from the teaching of the Bible. They're embracing contemporary ideas, believing that they need to be open-minded. Well, it's okay to be open-minded, but let's not be so open-minded that our brains fall out. God wants us to use our minds. And if you know someone that's departing or they're becoming errant in their faith and you need someone to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. Denise and I believe in prayer. Our team believes in prayer, and it would be such a privilege for us to put our faith together with you. And I want to remind you that I'm offering you my book, which I'm so excited about, called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Please order this book. People need this book, don't they, Denise? They need that book. They need that book because it helps anchor you in the truth. Well, please order your copy. We're also offering you the series by the same title called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, 15 parts in multiple formats. But Denise, today, let's put our faith with our friends, 
Are you ready? Yeah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the privilege of coming right into the space of our friend today. Amen. And we pray for the Word of God to establish them. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in them and to work through them. And we put our faith together with them right now that if they know anyone they love, anyone they're concerned about that has departed from the Bible, we pray, Lord, those people will self-correct, they'll get back on track, and they'll once again be rooted in the teaching of Scripture. We thank you for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, it's been so good to be with you today. <clears throat> Just flew by. But tomorrow we'll be back, and we're going to continue in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to be good. Until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. I'll see you in the next program.